0: Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Are you being influenced? That's 833995 gold. 833995 GOLD. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWretention.com. That's NWretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. A young family. Dad. Mom. Two young sons. Standard family, nothing outstanding about them, kind of white picket fence type thing you'd always want. Dad works hard. Mom works hard around the house. Kiddos well-behaved for the most part. American dreams type stuff. Really, let's be honest, world dream type stuff. Kids take off, as boys are wont to do. Mom, we're going outside to play. See you, boys. Be safe. Have a good one. We will, Mom. Take off. Go start throwing the ball around. Mom checks on them a couple times, make sure they're still out there. Goes the third time to check, and they're gone. And she goes looking for them. And you get that feeling every parent knows, at least briefly, of I lost sight of my kid. What if he's chopped up into little pieces already? Every parent knows that feeling. If you're not one yet and you're rolling your eyes, trust me, when you have kids, you'll know it. You'll know it. And she doesn't find them. And she never finds them again. Tell you what, we'll come back to that. Let's talk about a hero for a minute. A legend, really, was born in the early 1400s, 1404 to be specific. And he was born in France during the Hundred Years' War. Now, not many people talk about the Hundred Years' War because it was during medieval times. Quick side note, I should mention it did not last 100 years. It actually lasted 116. So there's that. But remember our rules about war, same rules as always. Any war that goes on a long time, well, it goes on a long time because there aren't big decisive battles. There's a reason World War II didn't go on 100 years. The Civil War didn't go on a hundred years. You can't maintain that type of carnage. Napoleon's Wars didn't go on a hundred years. When you're losing 20, 30, 40,000 men in a battle, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you don't last a hundred years. Afghanistan. Why have we been there so long? Well, We can't, because of the nature of the enemy, have a big, decisive battle where they win or we win. We can't. So you slowly bleed. What is that great William Tecumseh Sherman line? I'm going to massacre it because I don't have it in front of me right now. About how war is hell and war should be fast and vicious because the worst kind of war is a protracted war. Long, slow bleed. Get it over with. You see this in boxing matches all the time. Ever see a boxing match or hear about a boxer who died? What's the case most of the time? Did he face some gigantic Goliath-looking Terminator who knocked his head off in the first round? No, when, they, when the boxers die, it's almost always in a boxing match that goes on a long time, hit after hit after hit, but nobody can land the one big shot and just end the thing mercifully. A quick side note on that, but let's just understand the Hundred Years' War was not 100,000 man battles meeting on the plains somewhere and shoving spears in each other's eyes. And now it was vicious. It's been described as a hundred-year gang war more than anything else, but it was vicious. I'm not going to go into what it was about specifically uh, because it's mind-numbingly boring and it's impossible to keep straight, especially if you don't have a textbook and notes in front of you because that was the way medieval times were. Essentially, it was this. England owned some land that was really in France, kind of a vassal of France. They were a vassal of France. And one day France decided... Uh, that land's going to be ours and England said, no, that's going to be ours. And then they killed each other for a hundred years over it. That is the weapons grade simplified version, but that's what it was. in medieval times, like I was just trying to say, it gets very confusing because it's, it's not just France versus Germany, but Russia, they're going after Turkey. It's, it's the House Vancourt of the House and the Duke of Wellington. He took off after John V of the House Baratheon going after the Duke of Denmark. It's You can't what? I, who? Who are these people? And this is going to come into play in a little while here, so let me just clarify. You have a place like France, which is where our story is going to take place today. A place like France is ruled by a king. Okay, that's easy to understand, but kings are over, and in many cases heavily influenced by, sometimes even run by, depending on the power structure, various nobles, lords, whatever you want to call them, and I know sometimes those are different things. Again, I'm not going into the boring details of it. You're a king? Let's... Let's say you have states within your kingdom. That's kind of true, but not. Again, I'm not going into it. And you have a lord of that state. But understand this, and this is going to be important. Back then, let's say you have a king of America, and you have a lord of the state of Tennessee. He's not a governor. He, he's basically a god king. He can do whatever he wants. As long as when the king calls and says, hey, Lord of Tennessee, uh, I'm going to go to war with someone. I need you to go ahead and send me some troops. As long as that noble or that Lord does it. Other than that, he can pretty much do whatever he wants. And within one of those states, there was a man born in 1404 and his name was Gil or Jill, depending on who you're actually listening to talk about it, who you're reading. I'm going to call him Gil because it reminds me of that fish from What About Bob. And it always makes me laugh every time I bring it up. If You don't know what I'm talking about. My word. Go watch What About Bob. Chris, please tell me you've seen What About Bob. You are a comedy nerd and you've never seen What About Bob? Oh, dude. Oh, God. Anyway, I'm not gonna get sidetracked with Chris's idiocy. And Gil? Well, he was born into an extremely wealthy family. Now, remember I talked about the nobles and lords. His his folks were extremely wealthy, extremely important. And extremely politically active. And this is not the year 2020. This is the year 1404. Therefore, you cannot have a Zoom meeting with the king. You can't text the king, call the king. You can't even write the king an email. If you are politically active and ambitious and trying to do things, you are gone. And Gil didn't really have him around. But... They were wealthy and they wanted, you know, young Gil here is going to be a knight. And so they made sure Gil was highly, highly educated. Speaking Latin, highly educated in military matters, philosophy, mathematics. They made sure his religious education was on point. Hugely Catholic back then. Hugely. And then something awful happens to Gil when he's eleven. Hang on. There are few feelings worse than laying down to go to sleep at night. Long day. You know what I'm talking about. And knowing that you've got another long day tomorrow. And don't we all? and you lay down to go to sleep, and you can't do it. You can't get there. Your mind will not turn off. You're thinking about the day you just had. You're thinking about the day to come. You're thinking about the kids, coronavirus, depression. All these other things go through your mind. You need an Ebb sleep now more than you've ever needed one. It's EBB, by the way, an Ebb sleep. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebbcom slash jesse. Use the code JESSE. At checkout, you get 25 bucks off. It's not drugs. It's not more pills. It's a wearable device that provides continuous cooling to your forehead area, calming those thoughts so you can get to sleep and stay asleep. Try ebb.com slash jesse. The Jesse Kelly Show. On air and online at jessekellyshow.com. Tragedy comes to Gil's home. It's funny how, let me clarify something really quickly. When you deal with extremely old things, I mean, shoot, when you deal with something that happened 20 years ago, how different people who write the story, write about the story, talk about the story, can get some of the most basic facts of the story In a different way. What I mean by that is I'm going to tell you something from history every single day, as you can probably figure out by now. Oftentimes, as I read through various things, I'll listen to various podcasts on certain things just to get different perspectives on things and pick up little nuggets here and there. People will get facts, quote, air fingers, quote, facts, wildly different. I comb through what I can and try to get it as accurate as I possibly can. But I've done ones before where people will talk about an army of 35,000 and quite literally, I will open up an article or a paper written on the exact same battle. And that same army will be described as 85,000. Now that's not a small difference. But it happens all the time, and it does not bother me in the least, and it shouldn't bother you. It's going to bother some of you, though, like someone like my wife who needs things precise. No, how many was it? Was it 35,000 or was it 34,000? You just said it. was. A there are people like that. There ain't nothing wrong with that. You're born that way. I'm not that way, so just don't major on the minor. That's a long way of saying what happened to Gil next With Bo- was both of his parents died. We know that. What people can't seem to agree on is who died first. They died within months of each other. You would think that would be something that would be easy to figure out, especially we are at an age where things did get written down. But I read something right off the bat that says Gil's father died in battle. Now, we know his father died in battle. And then his mother died a few months later of illness. Ah, oh, that sucks. And then in the, uh, five minutes later, I opened up something else on it, and it said Gil's mother died of an illness. And a few months later, his father died in battle. You see what I mean? It's so a don't major on the minor. Both the friggin' people are dead. We know that. We know his mother died of an illness. We know his father died in battle. And as a quick side note here, some of you may be thinking, I don't understand. I thought they were the wealthy political people, the leaders of society. Well, here's the thing about that. There's not an easy way to put this. The way we do it here in 2020 America is absolutely not the way it has been done throughout the history of the world. And when I'm talking about it, I'm talking about warfare. Yes, we do a lot of things great here. Most things better here. But even in our history, our beginning. It was expected if you were a president, if you were a senator, if you were a congressman, a governor, if you were some kind of leader, you better have fought or fight or, absent that, one of your sons had better. Theodore Roosevelt gets a bad rap because he was a hugely big government Republican with no love for the constitution whatsoever. And obviously I hate that about him, but I'll always respect Theodore Roosevelt because for being such a pro war dude, which he really was, which I'm not, I'm not Theodore Roosevelt wanted to be in personally everyone and made dang sure he was either in everyone or in the case of something like world war one, where he was too old they had to actually threaten him to not go because he was going to go by himself if they didn't let him go. And then he turned around and all basically all of his sons went and lost one of them in it. And others got wounded. At least that's a man with skin in the game. I despise, despise with all of my being, this blue blood society we have now where these politicians Send people off to war and talk about the importance of war and we need boots on the ground and we can't allow this to happen. And this is happening in Yemen. We got to send our troops. And did you see this happening in Venezuela? This is a moral outrage. And what? Oh, you want you want any of my sons to go? Oh, no, no, no. They're working at a hedge fund. But your sons, they should definitely go because it's important. I don't mean to go off on a tangent here during our story, but let's just say you're going to hear me repeat a million times, don't tell me what you care about, show me what you care about. What's that great saying from Missouri? They call it the show me state, show me. So if you're somebody like Senator Mitt Romney, you're worth a small fortune. You believe all the time in boots on the ground. We can't draw down any troops in Syria. We better send troops here. This is a moral outrage. We're, we have to send troops here. And you have 9,000 children and none of them have ever come within 5,000 miles of a recruiting office. I have an issue with that. A big issue with that. You want to go, show me how important it is to you. Put your flesh and blood up there with the bullets and the bombs. And not some not some chicken-ass job either, and you all know what I'm talking about. Well, of, of course I'm going to send my son. He's going to do typewriter maintenance for the legal office back at the main bay. Oh, no, he's not going to leave the wire. No, if you want to go, you go. Or send your kid to go. All right, I didn't mean to go off on a tangent there. But Gil's father, yes, wealthy, yes, important, but this was an era and in many ways, well, Not in that many ways, I guess, but in many ways, a better era when it comes to warfare and that if you're pushing for one, if you want one, if you think one is important, I don't care how much money you're worth. And these people were billionaires, I should note, by those standards. You pick up a sword and a spear and get your butt up on the horse and you go shove it into somebody's chest and watch them try to shove one into yours. And he took off and he died in battle. And now you have this orphaned 11-year-old, but he's not exactly destitute. As I said, his parents were extremely wealthy, and he had a grandfather. hey eh, grandfather was a little rough around the edges, to put it mildly. Actually, his father was pretty explicit about the fact he did not want Guild to be raised ...by his grandfather because his grandfather was a notoriously ruthless human being. However, Gil ends up with his grandfather. We'll come back to that in a minute. Gil grows up into a fine young man, joins the battle in the Hundred Years' War... ...and fights right beside a young lady you probably have heard of before. Her name was Joan of Arc. And Gil wasn't just somebody who walked by Joan of Arc one day... He was her right hand. He saved her life. Some say more than once he saved her life. And Gil, by all accounts, was a lion in battle. Extremely skilled at military tactics, extremely skilled with a sword in his hand, would throw himself into the heat of battle in danger has a record of multiple battles about his bravery, and let's be honest, bravery with a sword in your hand is something special, isn't it? Was so brave and so incredible, he was given the highest military honor in France. They named him Marshal of France. When I say hero, I mean hero. until it went wrong. When I say things went wrong for Gil, I'm probably putting it mildly. And this is the time where you probably should turn off the radio for about 10 minutes or so if you have a child in the car. I will clean this up as best I can. But that hero I just told you about named Gil... Many people, not not one random person, many people say he's the most evil human being who ever walked the face of the planet. So if that should if that, that, that really should give you some indication on where we're going. And if I can make any small defense of Gill, which there is no defense of Gill, let's backtrack just a little bit. You remember that grandpa? Well, his name was Jean and he was the Antichrist. And he really only cared about money. And when I say cared about money, I don't mean like the way Jewish producer Chris cares about money, by saving random pieces of scrap wood in order to make a menorah. I'm not making that up. I mean cared about money as in he wanted something some wealthy lady had. So he simply rode over there with his men, grabbed her threw her in a dungeon, starved her almost to death, pulled her out of the dungeon, z- tied her up in a leather bag, and threw her in the river until she agreed to sign over what he wanted. That's pretty much the kind of guy he was. Oh, and he educated young Gil in, well, his version of morality. You see, Gill was supposed to, in the mind of Jean, marry this young lady. Now, remember... We're in an era where, especially rich people, nobles, they didn't marry for love. That looks great in the movies. Oh, Romeo and Juliet. There's a reason they made a play about it. Because it didn't really happen, especially not with wealthy, important people. If you had someone you loved as a as a as a king, as a noble, if you had a woman you loved, that's fine. You just keep her on the side and you go marry somebody else. They were all marriages. Of power and alliances, and we need to join our estates with this estate and join our country with this country, and this was no different. Jean wanted Gil to marry a particular young lady, his cousin, actually. And the young lady's family kind of didn't want that because Jean was a scumbag. And so they did what any reasonable people would do. Jean and Gil hid out in the forest, kidnapped said cousin. Assaulted said cousin in ways that I do not need to elaborate for you, thus given, you know, the, the traditions of the time, dishonoring her and forcing her into the marriage with Gil. Quite a way to kick off the honeymoon phase, is it not? So when I say when I describe for you, the things Gil is about to do, remember something at the age of 11. Gil began to be raised by a monster. But, by some accounts, some not, but by some accounts, Gil was really into torture and pain very, very, very early. Now, he gets out of the army. He's done with a Hundred Years' War. He's the Marshal of France. Oh, and he is one of the wealthiest men who ever lived for a brief, brief period of time. I say brief period of time because he went on this horrific spending spree buying gold curtains, and I'm not, I'm not saying gold color. He would sew gold into his curtains, castles all over the place. He put on a play free of charge, which plays were the movies back in the day. It would be like making a bunch of Avengers movies and not charging people for them because he wouldn't charge anyone for them. Somehow the guy who they say was the Warren Buffett of his time managed to borderline bankrupt himself. At which point the King of France stepped in and said, okay, you can't lose all of your money. Just go over to these few castles and live there. Here's the problem for the people who live there. Remember how I said they're basically like God Kings back in the day. Gil was the God King of that era. And Here's the truth of the matter. You can really, really roll the dice with who's in charge of your life back in that day. There were several, and God bless them, who chose to take that station as their God King status. And do everything wonderful they could possibly do for the people. It was their job to protect the people. They tried to make sure the people had food. They tried not to take advantage of them with too much taxes. Things like that. And then there were simply monsters. Monsters. And Gil redefined what a monster was. Gil began because, well, I mean, who knows? Because... He began to try to turn things into gold. It's called alchemy. He began to try to conjure up demons, which that's a death penalty offense back in the day. And when I say try, I don't mean he sat down for some weirdo Ouija board session one night. I mean, he had, quote, experts brought in to help him conjure up demons. The demons that he was trying to conjure up, and the devil. At some point, unsurprisingly, they began to ask for the blood of children. So Gil would ride out or have his men ride out to his lands and simply take them. Or he would have them brought to him. Or he would have them kidnapped. And... Let me just clarify again. This gets a little bit ugly here. I'm going to be as gentle as I possibly can. There are multiple people. This wasn't one thing I read or heard. There are multiple people who say this man is on the short list, if not at the top of the list of the most evil men who have ever existed on the face of the planet. He would take these children, your kid, my kid, anybody's kid, steal them, from you, take them to a castle. Now, Remember, these are generally poor people. They'd never seen the inside of a castle before, and he was apparently quite kind, showing them the place, would have them bathed. A bath was a very, very big deal back then, would have them bathed, would have them clothed in the finest clothes, then would take them down to a dinner and he would put on a grand feast for them where he would feed them like king's foods. Foods a child like that would have maybe, maybe read books about other than that never knew existed and certainly never tasted. Ever. After that time, after that dinner, he would take them up to a special room where he and his friends were waiting and he would calmly... Almost pleasantly, they say, explain to the child everything that was about to happen to them. And they say that was one of his favorite moments was the look of shock and horror on the child when they figure out they're about to be tortured and murdered. He would then hang said child from a hook, torture them in ways I'm not going to describe because I'm virtually sick to my stomach as we speak. He would have their throats cut, and then when I said the most evil man who ever lived, it's hard to argue with it when you find out that we're talking about young boys here, young boys who he also assaulted in other ways, and then after he had their throats cut, would sit on their stomachs so he could look at them in the face as they died. You see, there's an extremely important lesson we can all learn from this horrible story of the man. His name was Gil DeRay or Jill DeRay. Hang on. the jesse kelly show clean phone pro you need one because your phone is disgusting my phone is disgusting we, we we touch them all the time we touch a doorknob then we touch our phone you touch a pen from a buddy then you then you touch your phone you set your phone down on tables you set your phone down on desks You go to a restaurant, your phone's sitting right there by it. Do you know if that table's been disinfected? It probably has not. And look, your phone just gets these bacteria on it, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and soon you've got a forest of bacteria on that thing you put up to your face, unless you have a Clean Phone Pro. If you have a Clean Phone Pro, then you can put it on there. It has nine powerful UVC lights, and it disinfects your phone. Go to americafirstshop.com and get the Clean Phone Pro. If you use the promo code Jesse, you get free two day FedEx shipping. Americafirstshop.com Clean Phone Pro. Get one now. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. Don't worry, Gil got his in the end. Kind of. I mean, what? What would justify? What would be an appropriate punishment for somebody like that? What? What could be bad enough? That family I told told you about at the very beginning of those boys—that was a real story. Gil took them. He would take multiple at a time if he could. What? What's bad enough on this earth for somebody like that? They got him eventually. Funny thing is, it wasn't about the kids because, bear in mind, remember what I talked about, that family with the boys missing, even if they thought they knew, you don't have anywhere to go. He is in charge of you. You don't get to go around him to talk to somebody else. He's everything to you. But they got him. It was a you know a land dispute about this. And this guy wanted this land. And I'm not going to go into all the details. He eventually gets busted. His buddies who did it with him get busted. Everybody starts confessing. You know how it goes. Gil is eventually threatened with torture if he doesn't just come clean. Torture back then was not having some water poured on your face with a rag over it. It was a bit more elaborate than that. Gil said, hey, there's no need to torture me. I'll tell you everything. And he confessed to, well, what we think is everything. Over 80 children. Over 80. 80s thought to be the low end. Again, remember I told you the numbers always differ? You can find things that say 150. You do that to one child, I mean, you're a demon. You do that to that many and like it? What are you? His name, for those of you furiously Googling right now, is Gil DeRay. G-I-L-L-E-S. Then there's a D-E, kind of like a middle name, an R-A-I-S. It always drives me crazy whenever I hear someone talk about history and they just keep just muddling through the name as if I know who that is. I want more. What's his name? Gil DeRay. His name's Gil DeRay. Gil DeRay. What what? Gil? Who what's his first name? Is his first name Gilda? What I can't. So that's his full name. You don't take, and I don't take, even though I try to take. You and I, we do not take freedom seriously enough. We do not value it. In a way, it should be valued. And it's not your fault. It's not my fault. Especially those of us who are trying to. Because the truth is this. We've never experienced something else. We've never experienced the opposite of it. And here's what's crazy. The history of the world, for the most part, is the opposite of it. I heard a, I heard this story, and, and I read about this story about this monster and these things, that, and all I could picture was, I mean, we tell this tale through his eyes, and the tale is about him, right, the monster, the war hero, the, all these other things. It's about him, right? But the individual peasant boy who was out picking apples, at nine years old, to bring back for his family and gets kidnapped by armed men and lives out the few remaining days he has in, let's be honest, hell. Hell. Especially in those days, pre-books and movies and and all kinds of ugly things on the internet, you would think in those days, you would think you're in hell and you're surrounded by demons. And that kid doesn't get his story told individually. He doesn't. There's no Wikipedia page for that kid. Those people who lived under guys like that, who live under tyranny. Their lives were living hells. Those people, those people would do anything for the chance to be free. Anything. What would you do if it was your wife, your kids, you're living under a monster and you know that any day could be your day or their day. What would you do to be free of that? Anything, right? Anything in your power. You'd give anything. You'd give your life. But we, you and I, not pointing fingers at you, we have only known freedom from things like that. That's all we've ever known. We live in America. And so when I see things, Like, like, like headlines I'm about to describe to you, man, it just tells me we have completely lost, completely lost what our freedom actually means. boomer naturals remember that name because it's about to be well it's about to be an improvement on your life for one they have face masks let me repeat that they have face masks at boomernaturals.com. you see everywhere else is either sold out or now i saw this yesterday i just it was it was all i could do not to just shake my head right in the guy's face They have these junky-looking face masks they're selling at the local gas station. I know you've probably seen them, too. You can practically see through the thing, and you're thinking, dude, come on now. That's not keeping anybody safe. You might as well wear a piece of mesh on your face. Boomer Natural's face masks, they stop 92.2% of the bacterial. That is amazing. Go to boomernaturals.com and use the code JESSE20 at checkout. It'll actually save you 20% every time you shop there with everything they have. Boomernaturals.com. The code is JESSE20. If I may say something that's going to get me in trouble, a little bit radical. What if it's not the nature of man? What if our nature is to seek out a king and we only get freedom in these brief periods of time throughout history when you've had a crappy king for long enough? Maybe that's right. Maybe that's not. I I don't know. But I know when I'm reading the two headlines that are sitting in front of me right now, I say to myself, we genuinely, genuinely have no concept of what it's like to live under the yoke of somebody else. We have no concept of it. It blows me away. That folks can look around in the United States of America, luxuriating here, doing as you please, and say to yourself, man, I wish somebody else had a lot more control over me. But apparently that's where we are. We're about to talk about it. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three go to edenpuredeals.com make sure you use the promo code jesse that gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping edenpuredeals.com promo code jesse if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals